this is Emery Melhoff, your host for today's North Dakota Farm Bureau Straight Talk. And I'm sitting here with representatives Don Vigasa and Bill Devlin. We're sitting with these two gentlemen and they're going to just tell us a little bit about their legislative career and what it's like to be a legislator. So if you two would mind introducing yourselves, that'd be great. I'm uh, Bill Devlin from Finley. I, my first session was 1997. And I was out for four years in the middle of the term. So I've served about 20 years. I'm a retired newspaper publisher. My wife and I own the rural newspaper in Finley for 36 years. And uh, I've enjoyed serving. I'm Don Vigasa from Cooperstown. I've served since 2003. And I was actually appointed to the position in 03. Uh, our good friend uh, Dale Severson passed away while serving. And so I was appointed to take his role and had then to run to retain the seat in 04 and have been here since then. So I'm actually, it's been 18 years that I've been serving. Uh, and I was involved in our family's auto dealership in Cooperstown VW Motors Incorporated. Uh, had the dealership in our family for 59 years. I was there 36 years. Awesome. Well, let's just go back to that first year that you guys were both in session. And what was it like to be a freshman? Memory, um, it was interesting to say the least. I was, I came from, like I said, the newspaper background. And I also was a county commissioner for 13 years. And I said I ran for the legislature to see where all these laws came from or all these <laughs> regulations we were trying to live under and see what I could do about it. And I'm still working on that same issue today, seeing what we can do about some of these regulations. But it's been enjoyable. You meet a lot of nice people. You get to work with a lot of nice people. Uh, I think we've done a, a lot of great things for the people of North Dakota in, in our years. Or in this year, you know, unfortunately, like anything else, you hear mostly about the negative things that happened. There was a lot of positives coming out of the 2021 session. And I think when that documentation is provided at the end of the session, I think the people in North Dakota will be very happy with what we've done. For me, Emery, it was a little different. I, When I was appointed kind of in between sessions, I had the opportunity to serve on committees during the interim that Dale had served on. Gave me the opportunity to learn a little bit about the process and get to know a lot of the legislators uh, before I had my first session, which was was a benefit because even though the session was a unique experience, I, I had some familiarity with the process and then kind of knowing the lay of the land in the Capitol and, and getting to know my colleagues ahead of the first session was a benefit to me, I believe. Well, between the two of you, we have what... Uh... 20, 30 years of experience? 38. 38. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of experience. What would you say came as the biggest surprise of being elected? One of the things that you mentioned, Representative Devlin, was just the wanting to see, hey, what are all these laws and where do they come from? So what would you say the biggest surprise of becoming a legislator was? I think the biggest thing was change comes slowly to state government. I mean, you have to go through the complete process of the committee hearings and the, and the vote in both chambers and the back and forth between both chambers. So it, it comes slowly. I think the biggest surprise that I had in the session were how many administrative hmm. rules there are in the state of North Dakota from state agencies. Multiple times the number of rules and there are state laws. So I've served on the administrative rules committee every session. I've chaired it, I think, seven sessions. As we work through that process to make sure that the laws we pass are reflected in the rules that the state agencies write. And I think we've been very good at doing that. And I think that is one of the, when I look back, that'll be one of the most positive things from my legislative career is how we've been able to 
positively affect that. The first year or two when I went home from the legislative session, somebody jumped me about some bill that would pass or some regular, you know, they'd say, you guys pass this and this is what it's doing to my business. And I'd find out it wasn't the bill, it was the way the regulations hmm. were written. So then as we got into that process and make sure all the regulations reflected the intent of the legislation, I think things worked out better for the regulated community, which are the taxpayers of the state of North Dakota. One thing that impressed me, Emery, was the volume of information that we see every session. You know, prior to my appointment, I really hadn't followed the state legislature closely at all. So being uh, involved, I was impressed with the fact that in North Dakota, every bill gets a hearing and gets a vote on the floor, which is unique. And I think it's really nice that the citizens know that if they have ideas that are brought forward, it does get its due here in the legislature. We get a chance to visit about every issue that comes forward. And I was also really impressed with staff and with our legislative council and the amount of work they can do in a quick amount of time to turn around information. Just like now, as we're closing out this session, you know, there's amendments coming from everywhere. <laughs> and they're working long hours and getting those amendments back to us in, in very quick turnaround time. And they're generally accurate as can be. And so it really allows us to move forward quickly. We have a great staff in Legislative Council. Both of you are really in a fortunate position of not only being lawmakers, but also being um, men in the industry and really being able to see the effects of the laws and, and the effects of the administrative rules. As a young person looking at our current political climate, that it just continues to become more polarizing, that at least nationally between the citizens of the United States and our and our government, the two don't trust each other. And, and I would say there is some of that creep that even happens in, in North Dakota. Of course, we're lucky to have more relationships. What would you say that you as a lawmaker have done or or lawmaker should do um, to really connect with their citizens and, and to try to um, improve that polarization that, that seems to be out there? I, th I think every part of the issue is, you know, just the whole deal with social media. And a lot of people for whatever reason, seem to get most of their news off of social media. Those of us that have been in the newspaper industry, and uh, I don't care, electronic media or whatever, know there's another world. And, and I think that you need to present both sides. And I don't think that always happens on the on the social media. But for Don and I, we, we just felt it was so important to reach out to the constituents of our district that we worked with our local weekly newspapers. It's eight of them in our district. Every one of them runs at, at their cost a column each week that we explained what's happened and we've had multiple people tell us you know how much they appreciate it because then they're getting the news what's happening based on what their local legislator is seeing out there and we you know we're so thankful we have newspapers in our district that are willing to do that it is just vital don and i spend a lot of time working on the columns and and we're just very, very happy with the response it's gotten. And I think a lot of the other rural legislators have a similar deal. I think it's tougher if you're in, a, say, a Fargo or Grand Forks or something, because I'm sure the bigger papers probably are not printing the legislative column. You know, they'd rather interview as a reporter, yeah. where we can cover a lot more material if we write a legislative column and talk about 25 different bills or something some week if that's what we want to do. So mm. we've been very happy with that. I think another thing that's been an advantage for Bill and I is that we, we have been in business in our communities. We've gotten to know a lot of our constituents through our business. And so when we're out visiting with our constituents, you know, a lot of times they're, they're good friends, they're relatives, they're customers. And I think we have the greatest patrons in District 23. I, they're hardworking people. They're honest. 
and they're willing to to listen and to communicate with us how they feel about certain things. I I don't know. I think we got the best patrons in all of state of North Dakota, don't Absolutely. you, Bill? District 23? <laughs> no question. Because, you know, truthfully, we don't hear a tremendous amount from our constituents during the session. We always hear a lot, but I think people have learned to trust our judgment on certain issues. And I just find representing these people a real pleasure and an honor because they are the, the greatest people to work with, I believe, in District 23. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll do a shout out to all the other rural areas out there, too, on behalf of your colleagues. Let's just jump back to legislative session here. What would you say your worst session was or or worst memory from session, just looking back on all your years of experience? I personally think this is the worst session I've been through. Just because of the COVID situation, we didn't have the personal relationships we would have normally had with constituents. You know, we always had busloads of students coming out, or we had constituents coming out. Farm groups would bring a busload of people out, or, or our constituents would come out just to testify or, or talk to us. Don and I always got to the Capitol at between 6 and 6.30. I always said it was before you could get more done between 6 and 6.30 <laughs> the rest of the day, but it gave us an opportunity to talk to all the other legislators simply to see what was happening in their committees. We didn't have that opportunity this mm. year. It made it really tough. And, you know, I've always felt legislators are more like family as you get along. Some of them we've served together a long time, and, and I just think uh, we, we missed a lot of that. But, you know, like I said, I'm firmly convinced when the jury comes in, so to speak, they're going to think we did a very fine job for the yeah. people of North Dakota. So. I would agree the one thing I really missed was getting to know our new legislators very well because we didn't have the any of the social functions that would bring the Senate and the House together where you'd really get to meet all the new people that are serving this time. I've uh, got to know the House members, you know, pretty well, but those that were new to the Senate, uh, we didn't really even get a chance to meet those individuals this time, and that's too bad. This particular session has probably been the most challenging for me just because of my responsibilities, because I chair a, a section of the House Appropriations Committee, and the budgets and the issues that get brought in right at the end uh, sometimes are difficult to manage, and so now we're down to what's just a couple days left, and we're still having ideas thrown at us, such as, you know, could we put an amendment on there to correct something that was on a bill that was passed <laughs> previously, and they found a technical uh, correction that needs to be made. So we need to attach it to this bill. And so managing and facilitating all of the requests that come at the end uh, has been a challenge this particular session. But I would say, Emery, that there has been a positive to this, too, and it, it's the openness of government state North Dakota, which has always been very good, has just increased a thousand percent just because everything is live on video now. Mm -hmm. You can turn in and watch a floor session, you can turn in and watch the committee hearings, and then you can actually testify from home on a bill in a committee or whatever, so they don't have to drive to Bismarck. And uh, I think that is something, or at least that's something I hope the legislature will continue after this year, because, you know, if you've got to drive four or five hours each way from my area of the state or whatever, and you're farming, you're trying to get your crop in or whatever, you maybe just don't have time to do it. You say, well, somebody else will do it. But if you have the opportunity to testify remotely, so to speak, you can run in your house, you can do that and be at, back out in the field. So I think it's 
vital that change that was made and and I think it'll be a great thing as we go forward for the state. I know that some of our guys back at home, at least my guys working out in the field, some bills of interest to them. I know they've been in the tractor listening to it as they're going up and down. So I think I think that a lot of good has come out of out of a bad time. It even went so far as in the appropriations committee, we spend a lot of time after the hearings, we spend a lot of times just the committee alone discussing the uh, appropriations. And even those work sessions are live. So people can view in. I think we have a lot of the agency people listening because they're dealing with their budgets. But even individuals could watch us do our work, getting into the minute details of budgets. And and that was open to the public, which was a very interesting for us because we had to always be mindful when we were in committee that <laughs> we're on video, it's live. My committee was quite well behaved, I thought. <laughs> but uh, to know that people were watching and, and uh, being able to see how we, how we get down into the, into the weeds, as it were, on some of these budgets was a unique opportunity for our uh, patrons. So what would you say to somebody who's listening today who might be interested in running for office sometime in the future, um, and they're also a businessman or a businesswoman? What is some advice that you'd give them, whether it's running or balancing work and legislative life? What, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would encourage them to do it. I mean, this, this opportunity came for me kind of unexpectedly. I hadn't really thought about being involved, but it's been a tremendous experience. So I would encourage people to do that. I spoke with uh, the uh, National Honor Society inductees at Midcota this spring, hmm. and I visited with them about the, the pillars of the National Honor Society. And one of those is, you know, to be involved, be committed to your community. And I really encourage those kids as uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, wants to be in the arena because it's a unique opportunity to be involved in legislation that shapes North Dakota for our citizens. But of course, you have to you have to make sure that it works for your family because so many of our legislators are making sacrifices by being away from kids or their spouses or their workplace. So yes, it's it's challenging sometimes to be separated from home, but it's it's very rewarding. So I would certainly encourage people to look at serving in the legislature or at your local levels as well, county commissioner as Bill did or city council, park board. There's many ways for people to be in the arena. Well, I would agree with everything Don just said. I mean, I, the other thing I is get involved early and, and, you know, remain involved. Just don't show up at a meeting every two years or whatever. Get involved, you know, help them, somebody with their fundraiser or their campaign if you want to do that. But um, I think it's important for people not to react to something that happens this one day, but to be committed to working with the people from your district and work with your local legislators. And as as they step down or, or you decide you want to make a run at office, I think it's important that you've been involved throughout the district during this time period. So that's what I would tell them to get involved early and work hard at it. And I, you know, this is so long ago, Emory, I hate to even bring it up <laughs> to you, but my Republican work started putting I love Ike flyers on <laughs> windshields when White Eisenhower ran for president and I was just a young kid. And so that's so many years I've been involved in Republican politics. So. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, one last question for you guys. What do you think the state of North Dakota is going to look like 10 years from now? For yourselves, for the state, for the legislature, do you have a little glass that sees into the future or... Any uh, predictions? Well, I think the future is bright. Uh, you know, with 
um, technology being introduced into the agriculture sector. Wow, what can be produced today with technology and precision ag is just amazing. We know that our energy future, although we know that oil is a finite uh, resource, there's lots of it remaining. So I think if if we just uh, take advantage of these opportunities in ag and energy, and I know that in the valley, you know, there's more diversification, a lot of technology, biotechnology. I think the future looks absolutely fabulous. You know, the Legacy Fund, which is going to start spinning off some very significant earnings in the years ahead, will allow the state to do some very, very innovative things and do a lot of legacy projects that will make our state a great place to live. And I would agree, but my concern, if I had any concern on it at all, is as we've seen over the last, say, 20, 25 years, as farmers, farms get bigger and bigger, and the equipment gets better and bigger and whatever you will, it takes fewer farmers out there. And we're seeing a good share of rural North Dakota empty out. Hmm. You know, we're seeing Western North Dakota grow because of the energy energy. We're seeing the Fargos and Bismarcks and so on grow. But the rural areas, which we represented for all these years, we don't have the people out there for the districts that we had just, hmm. you know, even 10 years ago. And that's a big concern to me because we're going to, I think you're going to get into redistricting a little bit later, but we're going to lose some rural districts this time because we do not have enough people hmm. to fill those districts. You know, Fargo might gain two and Bismarck might gain one or whatever, but they're going to come from rural North Dakota. Hmm. And that's very concerning to me. Do you think, Bill, there's anything that we can do um, to mitigate that? Or do you think it's just going to be a sign of the times? I don't know how you would mitigate that. And I guess you'd probably be better to answer what, you know, a farm group like Farm Bureau can do to help that. But it, it's a concern, you know, and when I looked at the numbers, you know, the state had 779,000 people. Every district we have, every rural district we had east of Bismarck and a couple west of Bismarck were already short 1,000 people. Now they're going to have to come up with another, well, if you do 47 districts, they got to come up with another 2,000 people on top of it. That's a whole county, 3,000 new people. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to start robbing from the district next to you or rural area of a bigger county or whatever to make that work. That's a, It isn't possible for us to keep the rural mm -hmm. districts we've had in the past. You know, I'm in favor of going to 49 districts instead of 47. It, it isn't a big number, but it's about 600 fewer people that you would need in a district. We've had 49 before since I've been here. And I, I think that that would be a good approach, but it's scary. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that is really worrisome this time for us that have done redistricting before, normally we would have our preliminary numbers in March. We would have our final numbers in April. This year, the federal government told us we weren't get our final numbers till the end of September. And we have to put a plan together in both by December. Mm -hmm. Now we'll get some preliminary numbers in August and so we'll be able to go from there, but. It's still, it's a concern. We're mm -hmm. going to lose rural districts, and there's, I don't see a way around that. Yeah. And even some of, some of my friends that maybe ran in 20 in a in an even-numbered district will not have enough people in their district to maintain that district. So they may very well have, you know, get a couple counties or merge two districts or whatever. They're probably going to be on up again next year, and they just ran last time, mm -hmm. you know. So it's happened before, but I'm, I'm very concerned what's happening in rural North Dakota as far as representation yeah. in the legislature. One thing I thought of the other day is that much of the leadership right now in our legislature are rural legislators. Yeah. In the House, the majority leader, the appropriations chair, all three division 
committees on appropriations are all small-town rural legislators. And I think that is so neat to have rural legislators being the leaders in these committees. And many of the policy committees also have rural leaders. So I'm, I'm with Bill. I would hope we could increase the number of districts so we don't lose, you know, six or nine rural legislators through the redistricting process. Well, that's a really sober but good reminder to be really grateful for what we have now and for North Dakota's heritage and us as as producers out there to really not take that for granted and to remember that it's our our job, especially as young producers, to um, tell our story to the city people so that they they know where we come from, but then also to be active on our local level and our state level. Well, thanks again, Bill and Don, for coming out and chatting with me today. Yeah, I hope the rest of session wraps up well for you and get to go home and get back to work and get some rest. Very good. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you, Emery. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Straight Talk with NDFB. You can find Straight Talk with NDFB on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Please hit subscribe and keep a lookout for our next podcast. I am your host, Emery Melhoff. Yeah.